Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Flute View Radio. This is Viviana Guzman for theflutview.com. Hello everybody, this is Viviana Guzman, live today from New Jersey, Middlesex, New Jersey. Let me see, I've got a, quite a few callers here today. Let's see if uh, if I can call in Fluter Scooter. Is this you, a 323 phone number? That is me. <laughs> yes. I, all of a sudden I was like, I wasn't sure. <laughs> Welcome, Fluter, where are you? I am, that's a good question. <laughs> right now I'm in Los Angeles. Um, where I will be tomorrow, I don't know. It's an adventure the next two weeks, but I'm always up for an adventure, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> what have you been up to? Um, I actually was here playing at Disney Hall last Sunday um, with a video game, Symphony Orchestra. We played um, music from the Legends of the Zelda video game, and it was mm-hmm. so cool. You know, first of all, I've never played in Disney Hall, and I was playing principal flute. So that was an experience um, in and of itself. And, you know, the, the concert was, I mean, it was sold out for months. And it was the youngest crowd, you know, I've ever played to. I mean, the average age was like 25. And I was amazed. People were in um, costume, like, with pointy ears and stuff. So it was that, that's kind of my scene. I wanted to wear pointy mm-hmm. ears, but I wasn't allowed to. I also wanted to wear a costume, but I had to wear black. So, but they were so enthusiastic. They loved the the show. You know, it was, you know, music from a video game. But I think I wrote in the blog that for Flutes by the Sea that, you know, as far as getting people to go see a symphony orchestra, you know, I don't think it's really dumbing it down just to, to play video game music to attract people just to, to see that orchestra and see that format of a concert. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, was, I agree. I, it made me think after after the show, you know, and I'm doing the same yeah. show in San Diego on oh, the cool. 11th, which has, which has also been sold out for, you know, months and months and months. So it's a pretty cool yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's great to play with people that are Screaming, and you know there were there were no soloists or anything. It was just an orchestra, and they yeah. they knew all the music. I don't know. I could awesome. go on and on about this, but that's not what the, that's not yeah. what the podcast is about. about that. <laughs> we could ask Nicole the same but, question. All right, right, okay. So let me bring on our third uh, the flute view host. This is Barbara Cecil. Can you hear us? You are live on yes, the air. Sir. Yes, yes, I can. Hello, everybody from New York City. Hello, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) New York City. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's raining. Yes, it is raining. It's raining here in New Jersey as well. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to the East Coast, Viviana. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've been out in the uh, Canadian Flute Convention, which was in Toronto, this past weekend, it was a fabulous event. It was really, really nice to connect with new friends and old friends and to hear. It was such an inspiring weekend. It was really, really wonderful, uh, wonderfully produced by Samantha Chang in wow. Toronto. It, and it took place at the University of Toronto. So anyway, 
let's see. Our guest today is the composer, our the Flute View Composers Contest winner. This is Nicole Chamberlain, and she is a composer and flutist, which is Yay. super cool. <laughs> and of in Atlanta. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia. In 2010, Nicole won audience favorite at the Atlanta Opera's first 24-hour opera project for her opera Scrub-A-Dub Raw, which resulted in the Atlanta Opera's first ever commission of the children's opera Rabbit Tales, which received over 50 performances and kicked started her career as a composer. Nicole has also been commissioned by groups such as Georgia Symphony Orchestra, Cuatro Puntos, Dahlia Flute Duo, Clipper and Jones Ensemble, and Hopewell Middle School Symphonic Band, among others. She studied at the University of Georgia. Nicole Chamberlain, you're live on the air. Can you hear us? Welcome. Yes, yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Yes, yes. Okay. we can. <laughs> Very good. Hi, awesome. thank you for having me on. Hi, Nicole. Oh, you are so welcome. We are so happy to have you, and and thank you for the the answering those questions that we sent you, and you did it on a, a YouTube uh, format, which was completely unexpected and fabulous that you did that. We already posted it on our blog for everyone to see, and okay. um, I. That was just very innovative and out of left field for us. I mean, most people just do as they're told and they answer the questions written format. I just thought we all thought it was wonderful that you did that. So thank you for that. Oh. I, re- I hate I hate typing emails. <laughs> oh, interesting! How funny! Um, totally Nicole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nicole, tell us what are you up to right now? Well, right now I'm I'm getting ready for a couple of things this week. On uh, Thursday, I'm playing at Spivey Hall for uh, with a with oh, a yeah. children's or- with the children's choir. Then it has a sweet part in it, so I'm I'm going down there to play. And then on the 27th uh, is a uh, an event called Flusa Palooza. This is just a little south in Atlanta. Um, I think it may be the second time they've done it. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm playing with my quartet, giving a workshop, and I'll have my um, publishing company will have a booth there. So it's it's kind of a big day <laughs> for me and a lot to get done uh this week. That's what's immediately coming up. And then you know July is kind of summer, so things are kind of a good month to write a lot. Awesome. Uh, do you have like a a format that you write? Like do you write every day or is it just when inspiration hits you? How how did how did that start and how does that continue for you? Um, typically, I, I try to write as, as when I when I actually have time. Um, which during the summer it's more because my teaching schedule is less and my performance schedule is less. So I tend to write a lot during the summer. Mm. Um, but I I try to write during the year as well. Um, but usually it's in the mornings, in the early afternoons before I have to go teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's usually my my routine, and also it's, it's also deadline driven too. So uh, like I have a couple of deadlines, but they're not until they're not until the fall. But um, so maybe I don't write as seriously until the deadlines start to <laughs> creep up on my radar a little bit more. Uh, but that's that's typically how I'm driven to write. And you know, it's uh, I can't remember who who said this. 
I think it was, it was either John Mackey. No, it was Eric Whitaker said this. You know, he used to write only when it was inspired, but now he he just writes um, and hopes inspiration finds him when he has time to write. And it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of how it's been for me. Mm-hmm. It's like I just I just write, and if it's junk, it's junk, and if it's useful, I'll I'll use it. So just keep on writing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. practicing. You know, you practice some days, you just you just gonna stink. Um, but you keep trying to get through the muck, you know, and then hopefully turn it around by the end of the, the practice session. So that's just how it is for me with writing. Definitely. Mhm. Mhm. That's. Um, I have a question. Okay. So Nicole, in the in the piece that um we are playing for uh that in the winning piece. <laughs> Um, maybe you can tell our listening audience a little bit about uh, some of the extended techniques that you're that we're going to be employing uh, in the piece, and tell tell everyone a little bit about the piece. Okay, exciting piece, yeah. <laughs> so I it's I, I I use these techniques and devices quite a bit when I write for flute. I've always kind of been jealous of the string players, of all the different kind of things they get to do all the time, which is bowings and uh, plucking and how they attack notes and be able to do double stops. And I always have been jealous, like, why can't we change our color like that? Um, and that's what got me into extended techniques a little bit. My composition teacher's always been, uh, uh, Dr. William Davis was always a big advocate of using extended techniques, but as a device and not as an effect. So using mm-hmm. them where they drive the piece and they actually have a their a driven motive of the piece and not just there because it sounded cool. Um, that was kind of a term we could never use in school is it sounded cool. That was never a legitimate reason. <laughs> um, and so it had to be in there for a purpose and a reason. And so um, I like to use it to help change the color and the, and, and the texture up. So, uh, you know, Naturally, I learned some Robert Dick pieces when I was in school, mm-hmm. um, and so, and then that kind of morphed into other things. And I did a lot of new music and got to learn a lot of different things. But then, you know, Craig Petillo came on the scene and started really incorporating it wholesale, like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came down to Atlanta and gave a little workshop, and uh, so he was using all these uh, techniques and. I necessarily didn't wasn't writing that genre of music, but I wanted to incorporate it in the way I was writing, um, and so I used a lot used a lot of the beatboxing techniques, like using za and pizzicatos and sha chop and all that stuff, and uh, and I really wanted to put it in my voice, and so I used a lot of that. I love jet whistles, so I use a lot of mm-hmm. jet whistles, uh, and not just once, but a lot of times, which can be physically exhausting. Um, <laughs> But also, Ian Clark came down to Atlanta, uh, also for the Atlanta Flute uh, Fair, and he Mm -hmm. gave a fabulous workshop with all of us on stage. Um, And that helped polish a lot of my playing um, extent techniques and let me know I was kind of, I was going in the right direction. So for this piece, Percolate, which is the name of the piece, uh, I liked doing a lot of the pizzicatos because there's, you know, there's pieces where the violins are only playing pizzicato all the time, and so I wanted to do more of that. And it caused this bubbling effect, and so that's how it got this name, Percolate, is that it sounded, and it just became more of a bubbling effect. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. I love the piece, and I, you know, we can't wait to start working on it. Um, I had a question also. Who do you consider your 
influences as far as composers, flutists, or even non-flutists when you're thinking about uh, writing? <laughs> My husband is a composer as well, so we talk a lot about composition. A lot. Okay. Uh-huh. And so we have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of discussions where we'll listen to stuff and he'll hate something and I'll love it and we'll discuss it. <laughs> so there's a lot of, of that going on, um, just as, as just sharing with someone. Um, but when, like, the people I listen to, I grew up, you know, listening to Aaron Copeland and all this, all this, all the other, like, film scores, because that's all I, I knew about when I was in high school, because there was no internet, and I li- was in a little town called Savannah, and so the library didn't have a lot, so I thought all new music was film scores. <laughs> I, was <in> a shock <laughs> when, I was in a shock when I went to college, let me tell you. Uh, but mm. but that grew, and, it, and it was, it's evolved, and... Um, I, I love Astor Piazzolla. I love Goliath. I love uh, John Adams and uh, listened. Uh, Catherine Hoover's had some influence, not only just her music, but actually meeting her. And uh, Jennifer Higdon has a lot mm-hmm. influenced me. Um, and well, how yeah, she, she goes about her, so producing her cool. music. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's been it's been a pretty it's been a big group of people. Cool. What were you going to ask Flitter uh, regarding the uh, Flitter? What were you going to uh, uh, ask regarding what you were doing, correlating that to what Nicole's doing? Um, as far as as far as what? I'm sorry. Uh, when we started off this podcast, and you were saying, "Oh, we'll have to talk to Nicole about that." Oh yeah, well, um, Nicole, Viviana, and I. Right when we started, before you you came on, we were talking about how I just played to um, in Disney Hall to like a sold out house of all you know twenties and thirty year olds, and um, yeah. we were just talking about you know the future of classical music, and we the music was all from uh, video games. Um, mm-hmm. This one was um, the Legend of Zelda, and you know, I I I really was thinking after the show. I, I just I was confused first of all because they were just, I mean, they were screaming like we we almost had to hold our ears because they just loved it so much. But it was, you know, it was just symphony music. There were no soloists or anything, and you know, I I had to think like, well, this could be a way to keep this format of a symphony orchestra alive. I mean, I know you're down in Atlanta and, you, you know, there are its own problems down there, but this, you know, this <laughs> is really, <laughs> we won't get into that, but um, yeah. this was something that, you know, I felt hopeful and, you know, but even though it's video game music and I was just wondering, you know, what you would think of that, you know, as far as is that dumbing down the music or even though it's, the the arrangements were beautiful. I mean, it was, it was no. I think, I think I think the original, like the younger, the younger video game music, was limited by what the technology could produce symphonically. Mm-hmm. Now that's a different story. My husband's down there playing Skyrim like all the time, and that is a beautiful score. Um, and it's real, which, you know. He plays. He plays Skyrim. 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 Uh. Just check out the score. It's beautiful. Uh, and and it's just now that the technology is being able to have that capacity of having live live orchestral musicians be able to perform. So now it's not only like in the, the younger Zelda music and Mario Brothers and Nintendo and even earlier mm-hmm. Atari, 
like that mm-hmm. was not even orchestra and, and very, you know, not even sometimes not even polyphonic <laughs> computer music. But like now they can they can have that capacity to have and the the bigger orchestra and I think that might be a viable vehicle for uh for symphonic music. Um there's some really stuff there's some really complex and gorgeous stuff happening. Um, with video in, games. In games, uh, so people are, are so our composers, write, composers are writing complex scores for new games, for a lot of new games. Yeah, so, I think I think it's getting it's getting to the level of um, film score music and even beyond mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you don't have all of the dialogue necessarily all the time playing, and so the music will be helping filling in that audio landscape. The music is mm-hmm. almost moving. Is almost moving the tension or action. Now, do they? Does the music sometimes? This is a technical question. Does in, <laughs> in, in video games, does the music sometimes change according to what you as a player is is doing or experiencing as the as the as the game changes? Is it capable of doing that yet? Oh yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think it, yeah, it, it, that it is. is. I usually, I, watch that play. I usually watch my husband play a lot of the, a lot of the video games because they're really one person video games um, player games. So I end up watching and just listening. And sometimes I'll just be out in the you know out in the living room and hear it, and then and come in there and say, "What are you listening to?" He's like, "Oh, I'm playing you know this this video game." Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it does change. It's not constant. It's always it always evolves. But do do you end up controlling the music? In other words. By I'm not. The I'm not sure I'm the best take in the game. I'm not sure if I'm the best person to talk about it, but I do believe some actions do trigger a change in the music. They trigger. Yeah, I, I'm very yeah. curious about that. That's that's really interesting to me because it, it it allows people to who have no experience with orchestral music or music in general to be kind of creating the music. And to, and to me, like like Fluter, like you were saying, you know, it, it it brings in all this enthusiasm uh, for orchestras from people who, you know, might never really have had that experience. So it just, I don't know, I just started riffing on it in my brain. That would be really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think these days it's up to the, you know, the composers to make something that, People are going to want to listen to that. People are going to want to come to concerts and and hear. And that's why I really like um, percolate. I, I really think it's it, how you use the extended techniques. We're not they're they're in a fun way, and um, it, it sounds it's 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 not just like all craziness all over the place like like some people do that I don't particularly like to listen to. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I I I think yours is very enjoyable, and um, it'll be a crowd pleaser. So, so great, yeah, it's fun and yeah. rhythmic, and it's just a super cool piece. We're really looking forward yeah. to it. Awesome, glad to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> um, what other works are you? Do you have any other commissions going on right now? Or I do. I or, actually have one. Um, with the Atlanta Flute Club to write a fanfare for the 10th anniversary of the Flute Choir Extravaganza. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Every year, how many flutists four, are going to be in it? I don't know. It's like four or five flute choirs. Oh. You know, they all cram into this gymnasium. Wow. And, and so, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So they're like, that's a lot. You know, can kind of write something for all of us to play together. <laughs> 
So wow. That should be pretty amazing. And they're all fabulous uh, flutists. You know, it's all, there's a really uh, amazing uh, high school flute choir here that's directed wow. by Kelly Bai. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a Kathy Farmer has a couple of flute choirs. Uh, sometimes some of, some of the local colleges also come and perform. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a great opportunity, right? <laughs> Something ginormous, you know, yeah, here, every, a lot of it. Every flutist in Atlanta will be playing your music, and that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should be pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> so I have to write something to kind of address all that. Um, and then there's a there's a flute and piccolo uh, duet I'm supposed to be working on as well. Uh, we haven't really signed a contract yet, but that's in the works, and that's probably going to happen. And so I haven't written a piccolo work, soul piccolo work and piano work. So that's on the next, on my bucket list to do. So do you have a write? No, go ahead. Sorry about that. <laughs> do you ever uh, write with electronics or any technology yet, or is it just pretty much flute and piccolo and um, as you've done now already? Um, right now it's pretty, it's just orchestral instruments. I know it's okay. like all I do is write flute music, but that's just where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but but I have written for electronics. When, you know, when I was in college, we had to take a technol, uh, you know, an electronic music course, uh, and I took that with Dr. Leonard Ball. And uh, I also had a digital media degree, so I did a lot of that. And when I was writing for a multimedia company, I had to write. We didn't have an orchestra budget, so it was synthetic music. But it's writing currently with electronic music with with a player, with an orchestral player, it hasn't been something I've I've just done yet. There's something I would like to work on, um, mm-hmm. and eventually I'll get to it. <laughs> but it's something mm-hmm. I, I you know I, I'd be interested in in doing and hope to apply my voice to that kind of music. You, right, you right said that your initial, one, of your, oops, one of your initial interests was um, animation. Yeah, music for animation. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I go actually, ahead. <laughs> I actually started in high school as a two-dimensional animator, uh, or at least ah. studying it. There was a retired TV? animator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, you know, just drawing frames. Yeah. Like the old school Disney and um, and Warner Brothers way of doing it. Yeah, uh, I had before, a, the gorgeous, a, gorgeous, gorgeous way. <laughs> <laughs> there was a retired uh, animator that lived in town, and so we worked a lot together. And then I went to college, and Toy Story had just come out the year I graduated high school. Oh. And so the 3D animation uh, world was blowing up, and so that was a new thing to study. And so that's where I was. Gra- I gravitated towards eventually. Mm-hmm. You studied, you studied 3D animation. Yeah, I did. I studied 3D animation working in Maya and Infinity. So anybody that's big. Oh my God! Do you, know, do you still know how to do? You, I do. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm excited now. Do you still know how to do do the 3D animation? It has been 15 years, I think, since I've done any animation. I am way wow. far behind. The last thing, and you know, I once I left school, I did flash animation. Yes. Uh, so that was back to that was back to two D animation again, but just web on the web. Um, and then that stopped, got weeded out because of the mobile devices and right. Apple and all that stuff. So, not using yeah. the flash. Um, so 
I just kind of stopped, so I haven't done it. <laughs> yeah. I know you're probably getting all excited with all the hologram stuff, but no, I haven't done any 3D animation. <laughs> Well, because they're asking me about an animator who knows Maya, and when you said Maya, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> no, you don't want I'm me. Not... I'm, like, the least experienced person. <laughs> well, you're a flutist, and you know the music, so that, you know, I don't know. We'll talk. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't... I'll get you back into animation. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Well, Nicole, we only have a few minutes left, and okay. before we get... Be get get uh, rudely interrupted by right. the bell, the school bell per uh, per se. Um, what kind of advice? I know you've already get, given some advice on the YouTube video that we saw, and it was excellent advice. Um, just uh, recapping, and if you have any new additions of things that you might want to share with our younger viewers. Uh, new additions. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, don't let the first obstacle get you down. Let's see, I got rejected from the composition department, like, twice, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> my grades yes. weren't so hot. <laughs> uh, and I had a lot to learn. I was a late bloomer in the writing department anyway, uh, so I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, so I kept at it. I mean, it's what I wanted to do. I didn't really feel like I had another option. That was what I was going to have to do. So I feel like just because one door isn't open to you, just don't give up with the first no. Give it a couple more uh-huh. shots. And then and then if that mm-hmm. no doesn't work, there's probably a workaround to do something else or similar that you'll end up being happy in. And I think that kind of goes under the category of being flexible, uh, like I was talking mm-hmm. about. Just because you didn't get the route that you wanted doesn't mean, like, plan B, C, and D are just as awesome. It just wasn't what you picked. But um, it, it can mm-hmm. be. It can uh, certainly be. Uh, I think we all just don't know what else is out there until you get out there, and then you realize there's some other job that's even better than what you thought there could be. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that was my case. I thought I really wanted to be in film or animation, and then I started doing a little bit of it, and I was like, oh, this is crazy. I mean, I don't, I don't, (laughs) this is not me. (laughs) And then I kind (laughs) of had some other things come in and work its way in, and, uh, and it routed me to a much happier place than where I was in the beginning, and I was just banging my head against the wall. So, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I That's think great. that would be my That's great advice. advice. Yeah, I loved how yeah. you said that um, it, it, you had started in one direction and you ended up in a total and that your goals when you were 18 were different than now when you're 38. You know, I, yeah. I love that. You know, that, that they evolved. so you rang know, true with the, me. Yeah, you're not the same person at all. You do a yeah. lot of you think yeah. you're gonna, you think you're going to grow up and that's it, and you're just going to stay there. But you always yeah. keep growing, you know. I think my mom and I have had this discussion about you know having kids. She's like, well, you think you know when they're 18, they're done and out the door, but it's it's not. It's a lifetime investment. Yeah. Um, right. You know, because that right. person just because they're out of your door doesn't mean you know you're not involved in their life and they're not going to change and need your help later. So it's kind of the idea with your career <laughs> is that you're always going to be nurturing it. It's always going to change on you. You've got to be able to to adjust and, and see what, what could happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's super advice. Thank you so much. Great well, advice. Thank you. Here's yeah. Off. Thank you, Nicole, for joining oh, us welcome. today, despite the little difficulties and the glitch. <laughs> but the the 
the link will be up and shareable, and a lot of people do end up uh, listening after the fact. So uh-huh. we look forward to having as many listeners um, in on the awesome career that built for yourself so far, you know. We have been talking with Nicole Chamberlain, a composer and flutist in Atlanta, Georgia. She is the winner of our Flutview The Composer's (laughs) Contest. (laughs) This is Viviana Busman reporting with our co-hosts Barbara Cecil and Flutter Scooter out in L.A. Mm-hmm. Thank you all so much for joining us. This has been the Flute View Trio Radio Podcast. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.